So much to get to here. The members of the Israeli government who want to throw the Palestinians out of Gaza are 100% right. And I'm so tired of having to be politically correct and tiptoe around and pretend that Smotrich and Ben Gvir are somehow far-right extremists because they are speaking the truth. And they are saying the people of Gaza, the civilians, the innocent women and children of Gaza have to get out and stay out. Throw them out. Throw them into the desert. Let them be taken in by Egypt or Jordan or choose a country. But every civilian who is in Gaza needs to be thrown out, never brought back. They've tried this experiment for 18 years, and it was a complete failure, an utter nightmare. Our worst fears have come to fruition, the pullout of Gaza. But if you start talking about deporting them, and if you start saying how, listen, they do not belong at get the, the Palestinians, Gaza has to be ridden of all Palestinians, then they act like they're the fanatical right-wing lunatics, and they are the mainstream. They are 100% right. We will get to that coming up. Mark Cuban is defending DEI, and Cuban says, Mark Cuban, of course, is, you know, he's a very, very, he's a billionaire and a very successful businessman, and he says, not only is DEI a good policy, not only is it not racist, he says it's actually the best way to run a business, it's the best way to be successful, it's the best way to grow your business. He's 100% wrong, as we'll explain. I'm not even sure he believes it, but DEI, number one, it's a majorly racist policy because it chooses people based on skin color. When you choose employees based on skin color, that is as racist, viciously racist as can be. And it's also incredibly ineffective. It's a terrible policy because they're not choosing people based on merit qualifications. They're choosing people based on their skin color. Elon Musk called it racist. And Mark Cuban actually had it out, actually had a Twitter war with Elon Musk. And he's trying to say, this is the best thing you could do for your business. I use DEI and it works. And by the way, Musk in one line, Musk had this one liner that just totally debunked and totally crushed uh, Mark Cuban's point. He said, because Mark Cuban owns, he sold it now but he owns the Dallas Maverick basketball team. And Elon Musk said, well, how many short Asian people do you have on your Dallas Maverick team? How many short Asians do you have uh, Do you have on your team? And how many females do you have on your team? So, boom, right there, total hypocrisy. Uh, the, the, yeah, DEI, diversity. Well, how come all the people on your basketball team are tall and athletic, okay, and uh, not Asian? So we will get a great point by Elon Musk just totally, totally deflating Mark Cuban's point. We'll get to that coming up. But, of course, the Lloyd Austin – by the way, the Democrats are having a meltdown. Barack Obama and many Democrat leaders, they are concerned. The polling numbers, Biden's polling numbers are tanking and the campaign strategy is not working. It's not the campaign strategy. It's that Biden is a complete failure and it's very hard to fool voters. Like what campaign strategy is going to try to convince voters that what they see before their eyes is wrong and the economy is really great and the world is really safe and Iran's not developing a nuke and the world is not on fire and the border is under control. Like You, you cannot pretend that the reality is fake, right? So that, that there, there's very few campaign strategists out there who could somehow spin Biden into anything but a complete abysmal failure, but they're panicking. They think that Biden's campaign strategy is not working, and it's very, very fun to watch. And they're worried because Trump is beating Biden in the polls. Nikki Haley is beating high, is, is beating Biden in the polls, and so are basically every Republican candidate. So the Democrats are having a meltdown. That's coming up. But Lloyd Austin, this fiasco with, with Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, this is insane. This is insane that the Defense Secretary was incapacitated. He's still in the hospital, but he was incapacitated. He was in the ICU 
totally incapacitated, totally unable to basically communicate in pretty bad physical health. Whatever the exactly the issues are, nobody really knows. He had some sort of elective surgery and then he had complications. You, you hope that he's in good health and, you know, you certainly wish him our best, but he should resign immediately. He should be fired if it, Trump were the president and Lloyd Austin did this or Trump's secretary of defense did this. I mean, Trump would have fired him by Twitter so quickly. He would have just put out a tweet. You are fired. Get out. Because how dare you? And the reason he should be fired. First of all, he massively disregarded protocol, obviously. Days and days, Lloyd Austin was out of commission. His own deputy didn't know. Nobody in the government knew. Nobody in the White House knew. The Pentagon didn't know. He's literally the Secretary of Defense, and we're at a time of major upheaval, and there's the, the world is on fire, and there's just wars going on left and right, and you have all this escalation of, of conflict in the Middle East. You got Ukraine and Russia and China and Iran, so many threats happening, even at a time of peace, this can never take place, but certainly how disgraceful it is that the Secretary of Defense is in the hospital for days, doesn't let anybody know, and Biden for four days, Joe Biden doesn't know, for four days, the the, the, the White House was not told, the Pentagon wasn't told, and, 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 and Lloyd Austin's own deputy was not aware, and they just didn't bother to tell anybody, but the, the, the issue here is not, there are a few issues over here, and this is such an embarrassment, obviously, and imagine if it were Trump, the media is totally downplaying this, if this were Trump, the media would be going nuts, and it wouldn't have happened under Trump, as I'm going to explain, but here's the thing, number one, he should be fired just because he totally, totally disregarded any protocol, he totally, I mean, you, you cannot do this, you just, you, the, 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 a, a top-level cabinet member, he's like sixth in line for the presidency, and he, he, he literally goes into ICU and is totally incapacitated and doesn't bother telling anybody in the government, okay? Uh, obviously, that's a massive, massive, egregious act of not negligence. It's worse than negligence, and, and, and it's not incompetence. It's way beyond that, total, total breach of any protocol, but that's not what he did. That, 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 that is not his real sin here, his real crime, is that he endangered national security. How could a man like this be trusted to be the Secretary of Defense when he put the country in incredible danger? His whole job is to make sure to defend and protect the country. And like I said, the, the, we're, we're at a time, the country, th things are more unstable around the world right now, and the United States is in more danger and more peril than it has been in, since 9-11. Literally has been in decades and decades. So his job is more important than ever. And to not have a Secretary of Defense and not have anybody in charge running the show, he, the military answers to him. He's in total charge of the military. His deputy doesn't know. The president doesn't know. So like everybody here is totally in the dark. He, he completely put the country in massive danger and totally abdicated all responsibility. He should be gone. And now Biden is saying he wouldn't even accept Lloyd Austin's resignation. Trump, like I said, Trump would be calling for his resignation. He wouldn't even bother calling for it because he would fire him on the spot. And Biden uh, doesn't even want to accept his resignation, even if he offers it. Are you kidding me? How can you not? That That is Biden, pitifully, cowardly, weak, spineless Biden. How could you not accept this man's resignation? How could you not demand this man's resignation? It's inexcusable and disgraceful. But none of this is even the point. There's a much bigger picture over here, which I don't hear anybody talking about, which is this is not about Lloyd Austin. This is about Joe Biden, and this is about the Biden White House, because 
How on earth could they not know? How could nobody have noticed the fact that you can't get in touch with the defense secretary for four days? Does anybody ever get briefed by the man? Does anybody ever him or his deputy? Nobody's talking to anybody in the defense department for four whole days with everything, with all the escalations with the Red Sea. And now they're talking about, you know, Hezbollah and and, and Lebanon and, and, and an escalation there and Iran and the IRGC. And you got Ukraine and Russia and, of course, the China basically taking over the entire Pacific Ocean. And so much happening, and you don't get briefed by the Secretary of Defense once every four days? And, and and somebody finds out, and oh, by the way, the deputy, and then they find out in the Pentagon, and then they let Biden know. This is unreal. That's why I say Trump, this never would have happened, because you're telling me that Trump didn't speak to his defense secretary every couple of days, Whether and if it wasn't Trump, then it was Trump's chief of staff, or it was somebody in the White House. How is nobody in the White House saying, hey, wait a second, where's Lloyd? Where's Austin? He's the Secretary of Defense. Anybody heard of anybody heard from Lloyd recently? Has anybody gotten that call? Has anybody been briefed by the man? You've got to be in contact. I mean, you're telling me that I, again. <clears throat> Whether it's the president, in this case, it's not going to be President Biden because uh, President Biden doesn't even know which cabinet post Lloyd Austin holds. It's going to be some sort of high level official. But you're telling me John Kirby or Sullivan, somebody in the White House is not having a daily five minute conversation with Lloyd Austin or a daily five minute conversation with one of Lloyd Austin's advisors saying, hey, how's Lloyd doing? How's how's Lloyd Austin doing? You're telling me that for four days the man could disappear and be incapacitated and be unreachable and nobody's heard from the man and nobody gets panicky and says, well, where did the, the Secretary of Defense go? Because, you know, you say, well, they're not going to announce it. Maybe they were secretly. They're not coming out now and saying, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, we noticed that there was something wrong, but we couldn't figure out what it was. We didn't want to alarm people. They're not saying that. They're saying, well, for four days, it was Austin's fault because Austin didn't bother to tell us. Yes, there's a protocol. Austin's got to call them or he's got to have his people call the White House first thing and say, by the way, I'm in the ICU. By the way, there's health issues here. You, you, you better be aware of that. But the fact that they don't notice on their own, the fact that they don't have some kind of regular communication with the man, the fact that for four days this man goes dark, this man is completely, completely uh, nowhere to be found, nowhere to be seen, and nobody in the White House even bothered to notice, that is disgraceful. And that shows you the White House right now is so incompetent. There is absolutely no one running the show. The White House is a total, it is, it is total chaos, total mayhem. You know, you keep hearing, there's like all different policies coming out. Every, every like White House spokesperson, like has their own policy. You got Kirby, who's pretty pro-Israel, even though Kirby, by the way, disgraceful. Kirby's defending the UNRWA. Jake Turks actually uh, questioned uh, John Kirby about how we're funding the UNRWA, the UNRWA, as they call it, which is the, uh, what, UN Relief Works Agency, whatever. It's, it, it's the UN uh, wing that funds Hamas, okay, the UN wing that funds humanitarian causes in Gaza. And what it is, is it literally funnels money. It is controlled by Hamas. You, the UNRWA is the UN wing of Hamas, and the, the United States gives hundreds of millions of dollars to UNRWA, and you have John Kirby defending it and saying, well, you know, listen, that's up to the UN. We give them money, and hopefully it's done properly. And yeah, maybe Hamas takes charge. We'll trust the UN with that. You, you cannot excuse it. It's inexcusable. We are funding Hamas. We are indirectly pumping money into Hamas, and John Kirby, who I like and who said a lot of good things, should not defend the indefensible, but that's beside the point. You got, you got, uh, you know, Jake Sullivan, not been very good, a very good friend to Israel. You got Blinken, who's putting massive pressure on Israel. 
Kirby has one version. You have KJP, Corinne Jean-Pierre, who, again, you know, if, if you don't give her a digital watch, she can't tell the time. But she's got different messaging. And it's like, why does everyone in the White House like kind of have their own narrative and have their own message? Because nobody's in control. There is no cohesive strategy. They don't have meetings. They don't have guidance. There's nobody at the top who's guiding anybody. It's just a total, it is mayhem. The White House is total mayhem. And this really, really proves it. Now, uh, the, 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 as I said, the Democrats are frantic right now. This is so much fun because the Democrats are in total panic mode because the polls, Biden keeps tanking in the polls. Trump is beating Biden in the polls. Nikki Haley, I think, has an even wider margin. We're talking in like a general election. So believe it or not, you know, somebody like Nikki Haley, even though Trump is crushing Nikki Haley among Republicans, but when you talk about a poll for the general election, that's going to include all voters, including Democrats and independents. So Nikki Haley's beating Biden by an even wider margin. DeSantis is beating Biden. Everybody's beating Biden. I mean, I'm pretty sure that uh, if they uh, put Kim Jong-un and El Chapo into the mix, that uh, they would probably beat Biden in most polls. <clears throat> and so now the Democrats are just frantic. And what the Democrats are essentially saying is they're telling Biden, listen, you cannot beat MAGA. MAGA is too strong. MAGA is too strong a force. It's too powerful. The January 6th stuff is just not working. Nobody cares about January 6th. They care about the economy. They care about their bank account. They care about the fact that it takes, it, 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 you have to earn $11,000 a year more now than you had to a year ago in order to buy all the same things and in order to just literally feed your family. So people's wages are not keeping up with the price of inflation. People are poor. People who used to be comfortable are now destitute because, and they're making the same amount of money. That people are concerned about the border. People are concerned about crime. They don't care about January 6th and stop, stop with January 6th. And that's what the Democrats are saying. They're saying, they're saying it. Their spin is MAGA. Look at these crazy MAGA supporters. They're not even making it about Biden. They're saying, this is MAGA. You're not breaking down the MAGA wall. But what they're really saying is the Washington Post has this bombshell story that Obama, that Obama met with Biden a few weeks ago and Obama expressed to Joe Biden, he said, Joe, the, the strategy is not working. This, this, the, the, the strategy of, you know what? Trump, uh, the, 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 these MAGA Republicans threat to democracy. The, you know, the, there's a reason that they're trying to knock Trump off the ballot in all these states right now because they know that if Trump is on the ballot, that spells bad news for President Biden. So, you know, they, they really are terrified of Trump. And what they're starting to realize is that the more you indict the man and that the, the more you focus on January 6th and the threat to democracy and all this nonsense and drivel, the stronger it, it, Trump becomes and the more support Trump is getting. And here's why. It's very fascinating what's going on. But anyway, so Obama met with Biden. Obama's in panic mode. And no, and, and he's saying the campaign strategy is not effective. Pe t yelling to people. People care at the end of the day. People care about how much it costs to buy a loaf of bread. People care about paying their rent, feeding their families. They care about crime, safety. They care about, the you know, for the most part, the border. I know some callers tell me nobody cares about the border, but they know what's going on. They know that millions of people are coming across the border, flooding into the border. And the people in the big cities, they see these people and they see the level of homelessness and they see all the stuff going on in the streets. And it's it's frightening them and for very good reason. So that that's at the end of the day. People don't care about January 6th and they don't care about insurrections and they don't care about a threat to democracy. And it goes even deeper than that. So the, 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 this, the, this this whole it's such an it's such a 
it's such a silly strategy trying to convince that, you know, we're going to convince everybody that Trump is a threat to democracy. We're going to show them that Trump, if he if he becomes president again, he's going to become a dictator. Trump even joked about being a dictator. It's just like it, nobody, nobody is falling for that silliness. It's, it's, it's just preposterous. And Obama realizes that. And Obama is a pretty shrewd politician. And he's telling Biden, you've, you've got to get more aggressive and you've got to do a better job campaign. You've got to come up with a new strategy because Trump's a threat to democracy. Insurrection January 6th. That is just not working. People do not care. So a couple of points here. Number one, this shows you that Obama is calling the shots. Obama is the man behind the scenes controlling Biden, controlling the administration. A bunch of Obama um, advisors and officials are now in the White House and pretty much controlling the White House narrative, controlling the Biden administration. Why is an ex-president strategizing? Why is an ex-president the one who's feeding Joe Biden a campaign strategy? Because Obama is really the one who's calling the shots. You know, I have a lot of theories about this, but I really believe that Obama, more than anything else, I think that the reason that Biden is running for another term, I think that Obama's pressuring. Obama wants Biden in there because if somebody, and I and I don't think, I think at the end of the day, Obama, uh, Biden is going to be forced to step aside. I've said it many times. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I think. But uh, I, I'm not saying that I predict that that's a slam dunk, but it's, you know, certainly something which makes sense to me. But either way, uh, anyone else who takes over, whether it's Kamala, whether it's Gavin Newsom, they're not, Obama's not going to have the same kind of cloud unless it's somebody like Michelle Obama. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Michelle Obama, I think if she runs, it's going to be done right. They're not going to like, you know, kind of jam her in there as a replacement. But either way, Obama's calling the shots, number two. And Obama's not just calling the shots about campaign strategy. It's because Obama knows Biden is his puppet. I am certain about that. And Obama, he loves chaos. Obama loves the open borders. Obama loves Iran. Pandas to Iran. Everything happening has Obama's fingerprints all over it, which is terrifying. We'll, we'll get into that on a deeper level one day. Because Biden is Obama 2.0, and Obama was the, was the worst. His policies were so devastating to this country. And if, and if Hillary had taken over instead of Trump in 2016, 2017, it would have been a nightmare. The course the country was on was already so radical, so far left. And what you're seeing now right now really is an extension of that because they have totally reversed everything Trump did. Story for another day. But now, but, but, but here's what's amazing <clears throat> is that the reason that Biden is doing so poorly, the reason that Trump in the polls, remember, how Trump was, he was unelectable. Remember Trump's nasty tweets and January 6th and Trump is always arguing and fighting with the media and Trump, so many negatives and Trump, then, then he met with, uh, you know, who did he meet with, meet with Nick Fuentes and, and, and Kanye West and, and Trump is always embroiled in controversy, right? And then Jared Kushner and Ivanka said, we're out. We can't deal with Trump. And so many people threw Trump under the bus because of January 6th and because of what Trump said about Mike Pence and just one thing after the next and just all these negatives about Trump, Trump, the man, he is so flawed and he is so toxic, right? And suddenly now you have Karl Rove saying, oh, Trump is going to win. Trump is going to win November. Karl Rove, believe me, it kills Karl Rove. Karl Rove, it is so painful for him and so difficult for him to actually admit, oh, Trump is actually going to win in November. Karl Rove's not doing that because he's biased in favor of Trump. He cannot stand Trump. Karl Rove is saying it because he suddenly woke up and realized what we've been thinking all along, which is that the country realizes, the country has figured out, you know what? Trump wasn't that bad. The Capitol, January 6th, Trump told them to go in peacefully. Trump never even told them to breach the Capitol to begin with. 
and he told them to remain peaceful, Trump did nothing wrong. And suddenly people are waking up. Oh, the election was rigged. Trump talks about the election was stolen. And uh, Trump's, Trump keeps making all these baseless accusations and election integrity. Trump is a threat to democracy. People are waking up and they're realizing two things. Number one, they're realizing Trump was an amazingly successful president. The country was, uh, you know, putting COVID aside, which was what China did to Trump intentionally to bring him down. Putting you, you leave out COVID. Trump's policies were amazing. Trump's policies were so incredibly successful and the country was so happy. People were so prosperous. People were making so much money. The economy was booming. You know who was doing better than anybody under Trump? Blacks, Hispanics, and women. Blacks, Hispanics, and women. And a lot of those voters right now are shifting. It is shocking how many blacks and Hispanic voters are abandoning Biden and flocking toward Trump. So people are waking up and realizing... What were we thinking all this time? That's what this really shows. So Obama, you know, he's going to sit with Biden. They're going to strategize. They're going to come up with ways. What are you going to come up with? Ways to convince people that blue is red? Well, ways to convince people that the sky is purple? Oh, you know, I know you think that you cannot afford a loaf of bread. And I know you you you, you think that you, you have credit card debt, which is off the charts. But that's a figment of your imagination. You feel like you're a $28,000 credit card debt. You feel like a mortgage, mortgage rates are 8% and, and, and car loans and everything else. And you've got to go bankrupt. You've got to literally take out a home equity line of credit if you want to buy a, a 2004 Toyota Camry. That's a figment of your imagination. What exactly, what you, you think 7 million illegals crossed the border and now have been released and are now running rampant and committing crimes and shoplifting and all sorts of things. You think Iran is developing a new, those are just you're imagining things, okay? You're 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 just you're delusional. What is your campaign strategy? It's not going to work. People know the reality. People read the newspaper. People look at Twitter. People know what's going on. And what's going on is Biden has made a complete mess in every single area you could possibly imagine. So number one, what's happening here is people realize, woke up. You know what? Trump wasn't so bad after all. Here's what they thought. They thought, yeah, you know, Trump's policies are good. Border policy is good. The economy's good. Iran, uh, you know, he, the, he, he, tough on, uh, you know, tough on crime. But you know what? How bad could Biden, I even heard conservatives said, how bad could Biden do already? How much damage could Biden do in four years and three years? It, it, Biden can't be so bad. So people woke up and they're like, wait a second. Trump really was that good. Trump really did everything right with the economy and the border wall and all that. He like, 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 like people, the comp, the country was doing and the drilling and the country was doing amazingly well under Trump until COVID hit. And even COVID, you know, the Trump, 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 uh, he expedited that COVID vaccine. Whatever your thoughts are on the COVID vaccine, but he did it. And then Biden took credit for it, right? So wait a second. Trump was really so much better than Biden. And Biden really is an abysmal failure. It's not a failure. Biden's not a failure because it's by design. You, it, you, If you don't try, you could not have do, with the, 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 the border mess, 7 million people crossing, inflation, the, the crime. You, you, Those things cannot happen through incompetence. That has to be by design. It happened way too quickly. It had to have been planned out. People say, oh, the, you know, the border. Biden's a failure on the border. Or, or Mayorkas, who they want to impeach now and should be impeached. Oh, you know, he's a failure. He's not a failure. He's a success. He's successful because he actually wants it to be this way. There's no way this could have happened by chance. So there's that. And then, so they're realizing, wow, people care about the economy, the border, Iran, crime, Vladimir Putin and Ukraine. They're realizing, wait a second, Trump was much better than we ever gave him credit for. And Biden, his policies are catastrophic and he's much worse than we ever, our worst nightmares 
couldn't conceive of things going as badly as they have under Biden. That's number one. Number two is, well, wait a second, but Trump's an insurrectionist, but Trump is guilty of treason, but Trump was impeached twice, Trump colluded with Russia and, and, and the toxic tweets, and Trump thinks the election was rigged. Turns out the election was rigged, and people are starting to realize the evidence, but, you know, you know, Trump wants to overthrow the government, Trump's going to be a dictator, and now they're realizing... No, he's not. He was actually already. It's one thing if he wasn't president yet. He's been. He was president for four years. It's not. Not only did he not start any wars. He like he literally he ended wars and he made sure to keep the peace. Peace through strength. He was very very strong. He assassinated massive terrorists. Trump did everything right. And not only was he not a dictator, he was the opposite of a dictator. He kept the country safe and sound. And he kept the country economically prosperous. And he was great for blacks and Hispanics. So people are waking up. They're realizing, number one, Trump was a great president. Biden's a lousy president. Number two, all this nonsense about how Trump's a threat to democracy. We saw with our own eyes that Trump is not a threat to democracy. In fact, Biden, who's in the pocket of China, who's in the pocket of Ukraine and Russia, and whose son and his brother literally are so corrupt that they took all these millions of dollars in return for Biden's political favors and the, and, and the paintings and everything else. Biden's the real threat to democracy. All right, so Elon Musk slammed DEI. He said it's extremely racist, it's pure racism. And, you know, it, and by the way, it's not only because, number one, it, it, it chooses unqualified minorities, okay, over qualified whites. So it chooses unqualified black people over qualified white people. But that's not why even why, that's not even why it's racist. It's even more basic than that. DEI it takes skin color into account. Period. Okay, that is racist. Whenever you it, skin color should not be a factor. It should not be on the list. In a perfect world, you give somebody a job interview or you interview somebody for getting into college. You, you don't even know their skin color. It's blind. You don't even you can't even see them. They're behind a curtain. I know that that's not very realistic. But that, to me, in a perfect world, I don't know their skin color because the second you know it, the second it's a factor, that is racist. Whatever you choose, whether you're choosing them because of this, because of that, it, the, the fact that it's even a discussion. And that's why I always say the Democrats are so racist because they're always focused on everything revolves around skin color. I literally don't know people's skin color. I don't care about people's skin. Obviously, if I see them and I notice their skin then I happen to notice their race and their color, but it's like it's a non-factor to me. It's irrelevant. I don't care one iota about a person's skin color, okay? So that's what makes it racist is that Democrats, everything comes down to skin color, every conversation, yeah, and, 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 and Republicans never bring it up. But, you know, my son made a great point. My son made a great point. He said, he said, let's say you have to choose a doctor, right? Let's say you have to choose a surgeon, right? Or a lawyer. But doctors, you know, that's always the, 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 the most frightening, the most concerning because it's like physical, medical health condition, right? It's your health. So my son said, How, d- wouldn't you have to choose the white surgeon over the black surgeon? Now, hear me out. Okay. He said, not because the white surgeon is necessarily better than the black surgeon. The black surgeon might be amazing. He said, but because how do you know what if the black surgeon was a diversity hire? And we talked about this with pilots and air traffic control and everything else. What if the black, the only way you can guarantee, maybe the black person's qualified, the black surgeon, but maybe the black surgeon's not qualified and was hired because he's black. How do you know? My son, great point, brilliant point by my son. The only way that you can actually know for sure is if he's white, if he's white, then why on earth, a white male, why would he have been hired as a surgeon unless He's he's actually qualified. There is no other explanation. He could not have been hired for any reason other than being qualified because he's a white male. But once they're black or once they're Hispanic or once they're female, 
then for all you know, they're not qualified and they were hired for a totally different reason. Excellent point, brilliant point. And it's so true that, you know, that, that that's why DEI and affirmative action, all these things, they actually are counter, totally counterproductive because every time, and of course, this whole fiasco with the Harvard president, I mean, that literally, literally spells it out, you know, so, and it's destroying colleges, it's destroying businesses, and DEI is literally a, it's literally racism against, against, against whites, period. But then you have Elon Musk, uh, the Elon, Elon Musk said it's racist. Then you have Mark Cuban, and Mark Cuban, he is defending DEI. He says, DEI is good policy. And here's what he says. He says, and what he's saying is ridiculous. His point was ridiculous. And I don't even think he believes in himself. But Mark Cuban, he said, when I hire, I want to hire diversity. Okay, and like Elon Musk said, okay, why is your basketball team filled with tall people? Okay, why is your basketball team filled with non-Asians? And and and, and, and why does it only have, and, and, and males, okay? What happened to DEI? Okay, obviously, you, 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 you cannot run a basketball team with athletes who don't know how to play basketball, okay? That, and, that, and that is the point. That's a microcosm of all DEI is, of course, you pick the person who knows, you pick the pilot who knows how to fly the best and the safest, and you pick the air traffic controller who knows how to make sure that planes don't have near misses, and the surgeon who knows how to operate, okay? You don't hire somebody because of their skin color. It, 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 it's irrelevant, and, and the proof is a basketball team or a football team. And let me get off on a tangent here for a second. I, I think there's like one football referee who's a female. Every single football referee is a male. In baseball, every in Major League Baseball, every umpire is a male. Uh, coaches, managers. I don't believe for a second that a female should be in, 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 an athlete in, in, in men's sports. And now they're having all, all, the, all these gender issues where they're letting these biological males uh, perform in sports with these fe- in female sports. And it's nuts. It's, to- it's, totally, and it's totally unfair to the women, by the way. But um, why can't they have female umpires? Why can't they have female baseball and football announcers, which there are very, very few of, and usually they're, they're put down on the sideline, they're not in the booth. And why, you know, why can't they have, uh, you know, female coaches and female umpires? That it's unbelievable how they get away with that, and that actually is, uh, you know, very that that is actually discrimination because, uh, again, I understand they can't be involved in the physical sports and in the athleticism. Uh, but, 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 but why can't they be doing something on the sideline? So it's like amazing to me how they get away with that. But either way, uh, you know, here's what, here's what, here's what, uh, Cuban says. Cuban says, if you don't hire diverse people, if you don't look for black candidates, Hispanic candidates, female candidates, then, then your business is going to suffer because you're not going to find the best candidates. If you want to find the best candidates, you got to search high and low. You got to search left and right. You've got to look at all candidates. If you're only go- going to, take a narrow group and only hire them and look at them and interview them, you're going to miss out. You need diversity because you need to find the best candidates. Look everywhere. What is he talking about? And that is, it's just ridiculous, okay? DEI, diversity, uh, diversity, inclusion, uh, equity, whatever the words are, right? right? That, that's not about looking around. You want to talk about business practice. You want to say, listen, if you know, you know, you know, you want to give somebody advice when you're hiring somebody. Here's how you look at all the best candidates. What if you miss candidates? I mean, what if you only look at candidates from Harvard but not from Yale? Or what if you only look at candidates from one location but not the other? Or college graduates, not high school. By the way, I think that's actually a much worse practice for for, for businesses. A lot of these businesses, college degree required. I think there's a lot of great candidates out there. D, you want to talk about DEI? Hire people who didn't graduate high school for whatever reason, but they happen to be brilliant and they happen to be ready to do hard work. They're just for whatever reason they weren't wired to graduate high school, graduate. College, that that to me is 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 a 
is a, is a dumb business practice where you disqualify people based on a college degree and a college degree says nothing, has no reflection on your actual capabilities, actual intelligence. There, there are some brilliant people out there who don't graduate college and thus they're disqualified. I guarantee you Mark Cuban wouldn't hire somebody for most of his jobs and businesses uh, if they didn't have a college degree, he's missing out, okay, which would make him a hypocrite. But that's not what DEI is about. DEI is about skin color. DEI is about minorities. It's about racism. Mark Cuban is giving business advice. Okay, fine. Very nice. You know, he's saying that if you want to run a business well, you've got to search high and low. You've got to find candidates anywhere you look. Okay, very good. And I'm sure that everybody realizes that. Okay, nobody's saying that you shouldn't interview the black candidate, the Hispanic candidate. DEI is about hiring people based on skin color, not based on race. It's not about better business. It's not about, well, my business is going to be more successful. Mark Cuban knows that. So it's just a ridiculous, ridiculous argument that he was trying to make. And he knows that. And that's not what even DEI, the words don't even mean that. Diversity, equity, and inclusion don't mean, you know what? You really should uh, interview people from all different races because what if you miss out on a really talented candidate? That's just not what it means. It means racism. All right. So you know what? I'm just so tired of needing to pretend like the citizens of Gaza deserve compassion and they're innocent civilians. And, you know, I send them all to Greenland. You got to throw them all out. Send them to Antarctica. I don't care. Let Egypt take them. Let Jordan take them. Let Syria take them in. You want to send them to Europe? Send them to Australia? I don't care. But I'm so tired of the fact that we have to sit here and, and tiptoe and be politically correct and pretend you know, the, the, Bitsalo Smotrich is correct, okay? Itamar Ben Gavir, they are correct. The, 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 the Gaza is a failed experiment. We gave it back, okay? We told them here, you're in charge of Gaza. They elected Hamas. They elected a terrorist organization. A terrorist organization ran Gaza for years. And then this horrific, horrific, unspeakable attack, these atrocities, these unthinkable atrocities, the worst, worst, worst nightmarish attack, you know, since the Holocaust, Rahman al-Islan, and this exposes the fact that the people of Gaza, whether you call them complicit, whether you call them supporters of terror, it was their government, it was their democratically elected government. I didn't see too many of them uh, objecting. I didn't see too, I don't see too many of them condemning their government. It did not work. So you literally have just a couple of miles out of Eretz Yisrael, out of Israel, you have these terrorists and these terrorist supporters, and you have these people who despise and hate Jews. And when Smotrich and Ben Gvir, when they go and they say uh, that you've got to just eject them, you've got to just throw, deport them, throw them out of Gaza, put them somewhere else, they are labeled these far-right extremist fanatics, okay? And they act, you know, it's like they support genocide. And it really, I'm tired of having to be politically correct. They are speaking the truth, and then they get treated like they're the monsters. So let me hear, let me read you here from a story um, from Israeli media. I think it was Times of Israel. Uh, quote, rejecting the U.S. State Department's condemnation of calls for the resettlement of Palestinians outside Gaza. Finance Minister Betsalo Smotrich reiterated his support for encouraging voluntary emigration of the Gaza Strip's population in other countries as part of his post-war vision. Okay, so he's saying that he's saying you've got to resettle them. You've got he's calling it voluntary emigration. In other words, get them out of Gaza. The leader of the far-right religious Zionism party claimed that more than 70 percent. And this has nothing to do with what you feel about 
the state of Israel or about, you know, Israeli politics or any of that stuff. This has nothing to do with Hashkafa. This is purely about the fact that it's called a spade a spade. We've got to get them out. The leader of the far-right religious Zionism party claimed more than 70% of the Israeli public supports encouraging emigration as a humanitarian solution. A resettlement policy is necessary because a small country like ours cannot afford a reality where four minutes away from our communities there is a hotbed of hatred and terrorism where two million people wake up every morning with aspirations for the destruction of Israel with a desire to slaughter and murder Jews wherever they are. He's 100% right and they've got to tiptoe in Netanyahu and all these others. They have to... You know, they have to condemn and they have to, like, apologize and pretend that they don't believe in it. Now, you want to say we have to be quiet about it? I don't know, because we have to resist the pressure. You know, now Biden just made a statement. Uh, he, he says that he's been quietly working with Israel to actually pull out of Gaza, to actually leave Gaza. And now, by the way, there are a lot of reports that uh, weeding out Hamas and, uh, you know, just... Uh, just totally dismantling Hamas, as has been the game plan, that that's going to take a really long time and it may not even be possible. Um, ben Gvir posted on National Security Minister uh, Itamar Ben Gvir, another far-right coalition partner of Netanyahu, hit back at Washington after Washington criticized Israel and Washington criticized them by name. Here, Ben Gvir tw- tweeted, quote, The United States is our best friend. But first, we will do what is best for Israel. The migration of hundreds of thousands from Gaza will allow the residents of Gaza um, to return home and live in security and will protect, meaning the Israeli residents of Gaza, and will protect the IDF soldiers. I really admire the United States, but with all due respect, we are not another star in the American flag. Um, Now, U.S. State Department spokesman Matt Miller labeled the calls by the far-right ministers as inflammatory and irresponsible. The critique underscored growing frustration in Washington and with Netanyahu's government, which the Biden administration continued to support diplomatically and militarily in the war against Hamas, but has increasingly sparred with regarding planning for Gaza once the fighting ends. Enough of the politically correct, enough of having to fake and pretend and act like they are extremists. They are not extremists. They are mainstream. What they're saying is indisputable. What they're saying is logical, rational, and 100% correct. You've got to displace, you've got to get rid of, eject, throw out, deport the Palestinians in Gaza, period. And maybe even the PA at this point. I don't know, but you've got to resettle them. They cannot remain in Gaza. And, like, why is that an extremist position? All right. Uh, what else is going on? Kyrie Irving. I mean, this is disgraceful. Kyrie Irving, uh, the anti-Semitic basketball player. So, you know, he... he uh, I guess he's on the Utah. I don't think he's on. I don't know what team he's on, but uh, he played in Utah. And the, the, a bunch of um, Jews, a bunch of from Jews, I, th- I believe Chabad, they were Chabad. They went to this game, this Utah Jazz game where Kyrie Irving was playing. Kyrie Irving was playing. And they wore these signs that talked about, I said something like, I'm a Jew and I'm proud. They, told, they, they, they wore signs saying that they were proud Jews. Seems pretty innocuous to me. Doesn't seem like too terribly controversial. And Kyrie Irving, he got to, he called security on them. They were wearing signs that said, I'm a Jew and I'm proud. Okay. Kyrie Irving, who of course he promoted this, uh, this, this, this movie, which essentially denied the Holocaust. And, you know, he made many, many controversial statements, anti-Semitic statements. And he has not apologized, at least no, no, no sincere real apology. Maybe some bogus, fake non-apology. 
He got called security. Security came and forced them to put away the signs. And then the Utah Jazz basketball team defended it in the NBA. And it's all disgraceful. It is totally disgraceful. And let me see them do this to pro-Palestinian and pro-Hamas signs. Let me see them do this to any other group other than Jews. And what's the problem? They, they can literally go and be pro-Hamas, put up signs that are pro-Hamas. And trust me, nobody's going to throw them out. Security's not going to get get rid of the signs. But 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 something not... It's not even hateful. It's not even negative. Even if they wrote something negative about Hamas, it would be fine. But they're literally writing that they're proud Jews, and uh, and then of course they defended this the, the the basketball team and says, well, no, 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 we just don't like people wearing any making any sort of political statements. It could be a distraction. That was their excuses. It's a distraction to the place. It has nothing to do with the messaging. Yeah, when's the last time you ever heard uh, people have to put away signs that, uh, like I said, leftist signs or anti-Semitic signs because they were a distraction? And a few weeks ago. Same thing, Philadelphia Eagles at a, at a Philadelphia football game. There was some politician, some New Jersey politician who had an Israeli and American flag, combination of Israeli American flag hanging outside of his suite and they forced him. Security came over and they forced him to take it down. I think they even escorted him out of the stadium, but they forced him to take it down. And we see this again and again. It is so incredibly disgraceful how these companies and these groups, you know, that are supposed to be mainstream, it's supposed to be apolitical. How they come down against the Jews and they're anti-Semitic and it's really disgraceful. All right, the Supreme Court is going to hear the the and accept the case, the Colorado ban, the ban of Colorado and presumably Maine uh, banning Trump from the disqualifying Trump from the uh, from the ballot, removing him from the ballot because of him being an insurrectionist. Here's now, they're going to hear arguments February 8th and they'll probably issue a ruling soon after because the primaries are quickly approaching. By the way, we're just a few days away here from the Iowa caucuses. And by the way, I predict that Trump is going to, is, is going to have a huge win. I think that Trump, Iowa is hard because caucuses are always weird. I think Trump could probably win by 20 points in Iowa, but caucuses, they're like sitting in a room and they all talk and it's not like a typical vote. So I've never understood how Iowa caucuses work. I think Trump is going to win big in Iowa, but New Hampshire, I think Trump is going to crush Nikki Haley. And, you know, Nikki Haley, she's been investing everything, all of her time, all of her money in New Hampshire. You got Vivek, who he, he's, he's been to every, like, there's like 99 counties in Iowa. He's been to like all of them like twice. Um, and, uh, and I don't think Vivek's gonna, gonna have much of a strong turnout in Iowa. I think that Trump is gonna crush all of them. I think Trump is gonna dominate in Iowa, but I certainly think he's gonna dominate in New Hampshire by 20, 25 points. And it, you know, it's just, it's just incredible. Ron DeSantis, I don't think he's going to last very long. Ron DeSantis insists that he's in this for the long haul. We're going to have to wait and see. I predict that in a few weeks, Ron DeSantis, there was a, a clip of him saying literally this week, saying people think I'm going to drop out if I don't do well in Iowa because DeSantis has spent like the last like three years straight in Iowa. He's just been in Iowa nonstop. And he's invested so much money, so much time and, and energy and resources and commercials and everything in Iowa. Like if DeSantis doesn't have a strong turnout in Iowa, it's going to be an embarrassment. I don't think he will. And then the question is, is he going to drop out of the race? Not after Iowa, but I think after Iowa, New Hampshire, the first two, three states. And, and, and DeSantis says, no, no, I'm staying in. I'm staying in. And we're going to have to wait and see because I have a feeling we're going to be saying how DeSantis reneged on this. Because this is what they always say. Because what's he going to say? If I don't win in Iowa, I'm dropping out. I'm never going to say that because that's going to hurt their campaign. But I'm curious. Nikki Haley, by the way, she's taking the gloves off. She's getting much, much tougher on Trump. She's getting she's become pretty nasty in her bashing of Trump. And, uh, look, we'll see how that goes. But again, I, I don't think this is even going to be close. The, the media is making it sound as though, yeah, well, Trump's going to win, but it's going to be close. 
I don't think it's going to be close at all. I think you're going to see Trump, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. We'll wait and see. But I think you're going to see Trump dominate and crush all these other candidates in New Hampshire, in Iowa, the first three, four states, I don't know, South Carolina, what have you. I'm not even convinced we're going to get to Super Tuesday. I think you're going to see them all dropping out, except for maybe Nikki Haley. But even she, I, I, I really believe this race is going to be over much quicker than anybody believes and much quicker than the media is predicting. But anyway, the Supreme Court is going to rule um, sometime in the next few weeks on this ban because of Trump, the insurrectionist. Here's what I predict, and I may be wrong. It's impossible to predict Supreme Court justices, especially those leftist uh, lunatics, you know, Elena Kagan and Sotomayor and, uh, and that group. But uh, I and Katanji Brown Jackson, I think that it's going to be a nine nothing that Trump should be on the ballot. That's what I believe. And I don't think they're going to say, you know, that they're going to actually side with it on the merits of the case, because when it's nine nothing, you know, they have to save face the left. I, I, I believe this is a no brainer. And I think what they're going to say is that there has to be some sort of due process. You have to be convicted of insurrection. I think they're going to sidestep the issue and say, well, you can't uh, disqualify Trump based on insurrection because who decided he committed insurrection? That can't be up to a judge. In Maine, it was the secretary of state, I think, who decided it. So you can't have like one person or like a panel of like five judges decide that he's guilty of insurrection. It has to be done, you know, through there has to be like an actual court case and he actually has to be convicted. And I think that's a no brainer and something they can all agree with, and, and that even the Democrat, the leftist uh, justices, I could be wrong, but that's my prediction. We'll wait and see. The AP, speaking of the primaries, they have this uh, headline, the race in Iowa to see who is the preferred alternative to Trump. The race between DeSantis and Haley is to see who's the preferred alternative to Trump. You can't make this stuff up. You know, they, they, they again, they have to pretend that there's a race. There's no race. If they say it's a race for runner-up, like we've been saying, it's a race for second place, that sounds lame and pathetic and nobody cares. Well, nobody does care. But they need to pretend that somebody cares. They need to pretend that there's something on the line here. So they need to make it like there's an actual race. Race for runner-up, race for second place. That's pretty boring. That's pretty pathetic. So the AP says it's a race to see who's the preferred alternative. to. Yeah, there, there, there's a race here. There's a race for number one. Number one alternative to Trump. Who's the number one alternative? This is, it, Trump is Trump. But who's going to be the number one alternative to Trump? This is so pitiful. Just admit it's over and just move on. Uh, meanwhile, Biden is blaming the Republicans for the border mess. You cannot make this stuff up. They're, they're blaming the Republicans. They're literally blaming the Republicans. The, the, the Republicans, there was a, a proposal earlier, this, I guess last year, there was a proposal to uh, to add, to, to fund additional 2,000 Custom Border Patrol um, people that to, to, to hire 2000 additional, uh, custom CBP officers, custom border patrol officers. And, uh, the Republicans turned it down and the Republicans voted against it. Now, the, now Biden's came out. Well, if they had hired th those extra CBP officers, then the, the border mess would be solved. I mean, give me a break. I mean, it's, 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 it's a nightmare that that's not solving anything, but the Republicans, the reason they did that, the reason they voted against it is because, Biden didn't want those CBP officers to help turn people away. They were actually going to process illegals quicker. They wanted them in. They're, they're processing them. They're getting them in, catch and release as quickly as possible. And they were actually going to allow in more illegals. So the reason the Republicans did not fund it is because that was actually going to be used to, to go against the Constitution to allow in more illegals as opposed to, 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 to prevent them from coming in. So it's just, and, and does anybody believe it? 
But maybe some people watching CNN and MSNBC actually believe this drivel that somehow the Republicans are the reasons responsible for the for the border. It's it's and, and it's unbelievable. Biden, I mean, amazing that they say this stuff. All right, Claudine Gay is playing the race card. She's saying that uh, it's because she's black that she was targeted, not because she's a plagiarist, not because she uh, condoned uh, and defended genocide. Uh, new poll numbers, Trump is beating Nikki Haley everywhere. Trump is even beating Nikki Haley in her own in her home state of North in South Carolina. According to an Emerson College poll from January 5th, that's recent, Trump is crushing Haley 54 points to 25 points in South Carolina. Ron DeSantis, 7. Chris Christie, 5. Vivek Ramaswamy, 3 points. So this thing is over. I mean, it's going to be over so much faster than anybody can imagine. Like I said, it's getting a little ugly between Trump and Nikki Haley. See, Nikki Haley has a problem. She's in a catch-22 because she needs Trump voters. Nikki Haley, the only chance, I mean, there's no chance, So, but it's fun to analyze. So Nikki Haley, her only shot would be if she could get a defection of some Trump voters. So um, by needing Trump voters, she has to sound like Trump. But if she sounds like Trump, then she loses her base because her base are the people who want somebody much more moderate and open-minded and, you know, somebody far to the left. So um, who's not Joe Biden. So uh, Nikki Haley, that's where she's in trouble. And uh, Trump had some very strong words for Nikki Haley. Trump said, quote, Nikki Haley's been in the back pocket of open borders, establishment donors her entire career. She's a globalist. She likes the globe. Haley's campaign is being funded by Biden donors, Trump said. We fought long and hard to rescue the Republican Party from the likes of Mitt Romney, Karl Rove and Paul Ryan. There's no chance we're going to let the rhinos claw that back their way into power. Pretty amazing words by Trump. And he happens to be 100% right, but Trump is really taking the conservative approach. All right, we didn't get to it again. It's too late. I'm sorry, we got to stop. The caller asked why the Democrats are throwing Bob Menendez under the bus. In a nutshell, it's because, I don't think I spoke about this too much last time, but Menendez is very corrupt. Maybe we did talk about this. Did we talk about this? I don't remember, but Menendez is corrupt. And now I feel like we spoke about it. But, um, you know, Menendez put the Democrats in a tough spot. Because they they they, uh, they 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 support the indictments of Trump. I think we probably mentioned this, so we're gonna we're gonna leave it. But everyone at this point is calling for uh, Menendez to resign, including uh, Phil Murphy, uh, Senator Bob Casey of Pennsylvania, John Tester of Montana, uh, um, John, uh, Fetterman, Senator Fetterman of Pennsylvania. Pretty interesting. The CDC says putting more criminals in jail does not prevent violent crime. They say you need to address the root causes of violence like racism. Unbelievable. Address the root causes of violence like racism. That's how you prevent crime, not by putting criminals in jail. What a disgrace. The CDC. I mean, the CDC has discredited themselves again and again. They're a total waste and a total mockery of themselves. They're, they're, they, the, the, the CDC is the most pitifully incompetent, negligent, corrupt, group that has ever existed in government. And that is saying an awful lot, by the way. They're just a disgrace. They're a disgrace. And here they go. And it's the same thing. It's like when they talk about the border crisis and they say, well, we're addressing the root causes. What are the root causes? Guatemala, the the, the poverty in Guatemala. If you solve the poverty in Guatemala, you're not going to have millions of people crossing the border into the United States. So let's give money to the corrupt government of Guatemala. That's the CDC over here. Let's address racism. Let's go and address the root causes of crime. And then we won't have to put any criminals in jail because that's going to just... Stop crime, right? All right, that's going to do it on a very, very busy Monday, and we will see you next time.